<clears throat> turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's, uh, uh, that takes me back. I love that. I love that. And all the other songs, just, yeah. Praise the Lord. So again, I'm Derek, and it's my joy to get to open the word with you today and just share um, the truth of that. And um, so uh, this kind of section of our rekindling our vision and uh, what God's called us to do in, uh, as followers of Christ and in the kingdom, this section is coming to a close. And uh, God laid on a, a sermon on Brother Fred's heart about readiness. And so today's theme in, the, in this kind of vein of our rekindling our vision at First Baptist Church is, is readiness. I'm, I'm ready, Lord. We want, we want to get to a place in our walk with Christ where we can say to him, I mean, honestly, with integrity, I'm, I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. All right? But it's, it's about readiness. And we're going to be in the book of Acts in chapter 8. And uh, if you want to turn there, you can. But we'll get to that in a minute. I just want to kind of go real quick. Just we've we got to keep this in front of us. We've got to keep this in front of us and so we understand what the main thing is. And we've got to keep the main thing always the main thing and so we want to look at that right now in this our spear analogy and we'll go quick i know some of you have been here every week you're like really the spear again really no but understand not everyone's been here all every time and so if you haven't and you want to catch up on where we're where we've been at first baptist church and talking about rekindling our vision and what this spear is all about you can go to fbcvision.com to our Reasonably updated website, which is fabulous. Thank you, Ben Haywood. You can go there and you go to sermons, sermon section of our website, and you can watch those sermons online, okay? And you can catch up. So, but here's basically the spear, and this is the vision that we're rekindling, and it's really no new thing. It's just what Jesus told us to do, right? Point of the spear, reaching the lost for Christ. There it is. And for us, with what we've understood, what that means in our culture, is that we need to, there needs to be a focus on reaching families with children still at home, whatever that looks like, whether it's grandparents raising their kids or parents raising their kids or foster families or aunts and uncles or whatever that, neighbors, whatever it, look, whatever it is. Fa families with kids, children still at home. Why? Because we know that at the age of 21, the light, the statistics show that the percentage of people that receive Christ that come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior and become followers of Christ drastically dramatically drops so in our culture it's very important that that be a part of our focus right and so the, so we've been spending many weeks talking about these initiatives that are on the handle on the shaft of the spear we were asked God to make us uh, <clears throat> aware of lost people in our community oftentimes we insulate we think being a christian means staying away from bad people and that's not it it's not it at all it's actually quite the opposite 
of what being a follower of Christ is. So we ask God to make us an awareness, give us an awareness. The Holy Spirit would awaken in us a desire to, to just know who they are and to, to pray for them, and to prayerfully consider who it is that we need to be going and sharing the gospel with. So we talked about, uh, we had some time where we, were, we went through a, a, a time of equipping for uh, one another with gospel conversations. We talked, we showed... We showed a, a ways that you can download apps on your devices. That were, that were, there are tools to share the gospel. We showed you where the gospel is, and uh, it's specifically called the Roman Road in the in the Bible, where you can go to that quickly. But it, you know, you just basically open the Bible and point, and there's the gospel. It is all through the scripture. But here, this kind of narrowed it down for a place where you can go and grab that and show people and illustrate the gospel, okay? And, and, but nothing's more powerful than your story. The, the story. Your story of coming to know Christ and how he intersected your life. And we talked about how to, knowing your story, writing it down, being familiar with it, you know, I was talking with Celia uh, uh, this weekend. Isn't she adorable, by the way? Yeah. Do this. Yeah, she is. Uh, but anyway, I mean, she, she was talked about, you know, in their training and going to share with people about what they're going to do. They, had, they, were, they were given the elevator presentation. It's, it's just as, it's basically what you, kind of what you heard this morning. There's the elevator. It's, it takes about as long as it takes to ride in the elevator somewhere to tell somebody. All right, so you have to know your story like that. You have to know it in an extended form. You need to be very familiar with your story so you can share that with the people that you're praying for. You want to, we want to be very intentional about sharing the gospel in our community because this is what's going to change the world, the gospel. The world needs Jesus. That, that song, the answer is Jesus. Tell me your problem, and I'll tell you that, and the answer is Jesus. Oh, you're just overfence simplifying. There's nothing simple about that. It's that simplistic. But the simple answer is Jesus is the answer to your marriage, to your money, to what are you going to do when you grow up, your relationships, to what's been done to you, how you've been hurt. What you've done to others, how you've hurt others, all of that, the answer is Jesus. It really is. And those of us who are following Christ, we have the antidote. And we shouldn't be hoarding it. We shouldn't be stockpiling it. Because you can never give it all away. You never give it all away. Just give it. Shit, lavish your story and the gospel wherever you go and we were talking about having these partnerships with First Baptist Church we're going to provide opportunities every week sometimes they're just they are our, our, our worship time sometimes they're special events sometimes they're fellowships but just all kinds of opportunities for people to respond to the gospel wasn't it great another baptism this morning wasn't that great praise God I'm looking forward to what's next. People just are coming to know Christ as we share the gospel, as you share your story, as we partner with you. All right? And then this multicolored thing down here. That's just getting ready, to th thinking creatively about our space. 
as our church grows, all right? But here's an important thing. This is where we've been. This is where we've been. What binds all those initiatives on the shaft, the thing that carries the the spearhead, which is our focus, our mission, is the bind there's the binding and it is moving from theory to action moving from talking about it to doing it and that's where we've been and today's theme is readiness you know readiness has always been a prominent theme in our country do you remember studying about the minutemen anybody remember studying the minutemen in, in our in our revolution yeah it's okay raise that hand be proud I listened in history class that day. All right, the Minutemen. The, they got their name because they were, re- they were ready in a minute's notice to defend our, our, their land, their farms and all, from the, from the foreign oppressors, uh, oppressors, right? Minutemen. They had their muskets and their powder and paper and their musket balls just waiting and so they could just grab it and run in a minute's notice. Readiness... It's in the very thread of who we are. The Coast Guard. The Coast Guard's motto is Semper Paratus, which means always ready. Maybe you've heard or are more familiar with the Marines' motto, which is Semper Fidelis. Semper Fi. It means always faithful, always ready always faithful other are other military branches ready ready they're trained they're confident they have their gear together waiting for the call let me tell you another person who stands ready like that somebody very special to me is my wife my wife Leanne is a nurse She's a nurse at Union County Schools. And she is ready. She's got this thing ready for a boo-boo. She's at the primary school, so they're boo-boos. She's got this thing ready for the boo-boo. This thing's ready for the oops. Go in there and change. She's got this thing ready for that. This thing ready for another oops. She's She's ready. She's got her clothes in different sizes for the kids if they have accidents. She has band-aids ready, you know, Wonder Woman for the girls, Spider-Man for the boys, whatever. She's got it. She stands ready. She's got little kits ready to grab. She has a kit that she takes with her when she goes on field field (laughs) field trips. She's got those things, and she's ready. She's prepared. She's trained, and she's ready to go. A lot of you have those sort of uh, experiences and where you work and what you do. Do you know here at First Baptist, um, we have kits. We're ready. Right over here against the wall in that kiosk. It's not just a beautiful kiosk. Thank you, Mark Smith, by the way. <laughs> it's not just a beautiful kiosk. Inside there, we have our crash kit, which may be not the greatest thing to call that. But it's, it's, it's ready. We have things that we need if people get in a bad way. Right above it, we have a defibrillator. And key to that process is we have people here who know what to do with it. We're ready. 
already. It's important in our society. It's important to who we are as Americans. But it is vital to the Christian to be ready. You know, we talk about willingness and faithfulness a lot when we come, as being marks of a Christian. Willing and faithful. Let me tell you what is just as important is readiness. Being ready. And one of the greatest stories in the Bible about readiness that illustrates this is found in our text today. It's in uh, Acts chapter 8. Verse 26 through 40. I want, so if you want to, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We're going to have this on the screen. And it is, our, uh, uh, it is my practice to read from the English Standard Version. So there we go. But before we get to the Scripture, I just want to set the scene. In the book of Acts, this is kind of what's going on. Uh, Jesus has, has descended into heaven, and the church is starting to spread, and people don't, don't like it. And there's this persecution of the church. All right, And right at the beginning of chapter 8 in Acts, that's where the stoning of Stephen is. Uh, if you're familiar with that story, um, that's where one of the first places we hear, we, we have the mention of a guy named Saul, which later his name was changed to Paul. And he did this little thing, like write the majority of the New Testament. <laughs> God, well, God wrote it through him. But this is, and he's standing there holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen. That's, he was persecuting the church. So as a result of that, the Christians were scattered. They were running for their lives. Bad, right? Bad news, right? But isn't it just like God to take lemons and make lemonade? Because the church was scattered, the gospel was being spread rapidly and dramatically. So right after you read this, the uh, account of the stoning of Stephen, you read this account of Philip, one of the disciples. He had fled down to Samaria, and he was just sitting around moping. Nope. He was preaching the gospel. He was preaching Jesus. And you read it. Demons were being cast out. The sick were being healed and people were being delivered and, and f beginning to follow Christ. So much so that when, the pe from when others heard it, other disciples heard it, they came down to help. There was this great kind of crusade going on. And the gospel was being received and lives were being changed. And the, and the kingdom of heaven was being advanced. Beautiful, right? Well, this is where we pick up the story, Okay. Right there in Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Here we go. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert place. <laughs> One of the most understated things in the Bible. I've been there. It is a desert place. All right. It is a desert place. Wow, it's crazy. So that's where he was. All right. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, he was kind of a big deal. All right. 
And, and uh, he was returning back to Ethiopia after worshiping, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, okay, hold on. Check it out. Philip was at Gaza. Uh, I'm sorry, Philip was at Samaria. It's not a desert place. It's a pretty nice place. There's a lot of resources, and on top of that, he was being well-received. He had just been run out of where he, where he had been for his life, running for his life, and now he's at a place where the people were like, tell us more, tell us more. And God was doing this mighty thing, and he was moving, and they had all they needed. <clears throat> and it was fantastic. And people were coming to him to know the Lord. And God said, all right, now I want you to go to the desert. And I want you to talk to this guy that's from another country, speaks a different language. He doesn't look like you. His skin's a lot darker than yours. He doesn't look anything like you, doesn't speak your language, and it's down in the desert. All right? Go. What did Philip do? Okay. <laughs> and he gets down there, and there he is. There's this guy. This Ethiopian guy in a chariot. I mean, and what do you do in a chariot? Do you just hang around? No, you go. This was like a hot rod of the day. This was no ordinary. This was, this, this was the guy that was in charge of the queen's treasure. He wasn't in a bucket of bolts. He wasn't in a jalopy. This was nice. And he's over there reading the word. Now, He's reading the prophet Isaiah. It would not have been in his native tongue. This was a very educated man. So he's reading God's word in Hebrew, right? Because that's what it's written in. Philip hears it and goes over there to him. All right, and the spirit said to Philip, go join him in his chariot. Philip's like, that chariot? Yep, that chariot. Okay. And so he goes over there, and so Philip ran to him because the chariot's moving, right? Here's the chariot starting to move. You just picture this guy's, this really fancy Ethiopian is in this chariot, and it's starting to move, and he's reading the prophet Isaiah, and here comes Philip. Hey! Whoa! Whoa! Wait! And, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is what he said. He didn't think it was weird at all. I might have thought it was weird. He said, hey, how can I unless someone guides me? He said, and he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. So the door of the limo opens up. He says, come on in. Tell me about the gospel. And, he, so, and now the passage of scripture that the Ethiopian was reading was this. Oh, my gosh coincidence like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life is taken away taken away from the earth verse 34 and the eunuch said to philip about whom i ask you does the prophet say this about himself or someone else and Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture he told him the good news 
about Jesus. <laughs> and as they were going along the road, whew, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, hey, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? You know when I baptize people, I get to do that, and when we're done, I say, here's water. What keeps you from being baptized today? That's where I got it. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, uh-huh, that's what it is. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So Philip, so Philip, uh, so verse 38 says, and he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And this is where it really gets, if it's not already, does it already have your attention? Look what happens here. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Wow. Verse 40. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Wow. What a story. I love a good story. What a story. Man, let's pray, or I won't get this done today. Lord, I love you so much. What a story. Your story, ours, goodness gracious, our story of you. You are amazing. Praise you, Lord God. Now, captivate us with your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Ethiopian eunuch receives Christ, right? To this day, there is a strong Christian presence in that area of Africa. And you can trace it right to, there, to this point in Scripture. Wow. So there are three... Big things, three lessons, if you will, to learn about readiness from this story, from Philip's story right here in the scripture. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, okay? So if you got your worship guide, this is where your fill in the blank things are, all right? And you can just follow along right here. Here we go. Lesson number one about readiness be sensitive to the call of Holy Spirit. Be sensitive to the call of Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26 again. Verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay? And also, in verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join the chariot. Alright? So he's, Hearing a call from Holy Spirit. Let me, let me tell you, there are a lot of things that distract us. A lot of things that distract us in, in life, and in, in just life, uh, bills, kids, 
for kids, parents, for kids, their devices, for parents, your devices. We get distracted, keeping up with whoever we're trying to keep up with, doing what we gotta do, schedules, assignments, whatever. There's a lot of distractions. A lot of things that make it hard for us to hear call of the Spirit. We have to be sensitive to that. We have to be listening. You ever been in a crowded room and there's a lot of people talking, a lot of noise and blah, 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 blah. And you hear a voice. You hear a voice. And above all the other voices, you say, I know who that is. It's that I'm that way with Leanne, my wife. We can be in a crowded, crowded space and a lot of people talking, and I, I, will, I can hear her say, she doesn't even have to say my name. She says the first letter of my name. And I know it's her. If I can hear her and pick it out over a crowd. No one says D like Leanne says D. And I, I, I mean, it can be really crowded and really busy, and I hear her say, D. And <laughs> I know it. I know it. Why do I know that? Because in the quiet times, and the times when I'm not busy and distracted, and those times, I am listening to her. I'm hanging on the words that she says. I know the inflection in the way she says things. I've heard her say D in the quiet. So in the distracting times, I know her voice over everything else. And is precisely the same but even on a grander scale, when we're talking about Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. Philip was able to respond to the Holy Spirit because he knew his voice. He knew it. And it's important because, for three reasons. One, the call is often unknown. The call is often unknown. All right? God had a plan to take the gospel to North Africa through this influential government official. Kind of a big deal. He's like the, you know, secretary of the treasury, right? He's a minister of the finance. He's, he was in charge of Queen Candace's cash. He's a big deal. All right, so this guy comes to know the Lord. God knew how it would spread through North Africa. God had a plan. Now, Philip didn't know it. So he had to be listening. See, Philip's st standing ready with his life. I, I, I know I've heard you say, be here and do this. So I'm going to, with all my heart, with everything I have, I'm going to be here and I'm going to do this until I hear your voice say, do something else. So at the same time, he's working and doing what God's called him to do, he's listening. And when he hears that voice, 
He snaps. Yes, sir. Because sometimes the call is unknown. Sometimes the call is unexplained. Sometimes it's unexplained. God didn't tell Philip why he wanted him to go. He just said, go. And Philip did. He just, and he went. You know, when oftentimes that's not how we do. We need God to give us a little more explanation. God, do you not have a PowerPoint presentation or something? Can you send me some pie graphs? Some bar graphs? What demographic research have you done on this, Lord? And that's oftentimes what we need. We need it. Okay, God. Okay, 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 okay. Just why do you want me to go? And let me just tell you, when we require an explanation from God before we obey, we have sinned against the one who is incapable of asking us to do anything that isn't true, just, or loving. And doing this grieves the Holy Spirit and it quenches His work in us. So often the call is unexplained. Philip didn't ask God for his research on the subject when he asked him to go to Ethiopia. I uh, asked him to go to, down to the desert, to Gaza. Just, he just said, okay. I trust you. And what you're sending me to do has to be okay. I don't need an explanation. Oftentimes it's unexplained. It's unusual. I mean, it's unknown. It's unexplained. And oftentimes this call is unusual. God doesn't always work in the ways that make sense to us. And when we're more concerned with staying on schedule and, and staying on business as usual, we're more concerned with that than being sensitive to the call of the Holy Spirit, then we're susceptible to missing the miraculous moving of God in the unusual moments. Did you get that? That was a big mouthful. You mean to say it again? You want to read it again? When we are more concerned with staying on schedule and business as usual than being sensitive to the call of the Holy Spirit, then we are susceptible to missing the miraculous movement of God in the unusual moments. I want to see God move in the unusual moments. Now, there's nothing wrong with planning. No, no, I believe Holy Spirit moves in the planning. He is the God of detail, but he's also the God of the big picture. And we can't be, it's not either or, it's both and. I think we plan our worship services with detail. And we give minutes to them. I'm looking at Ben because he's, because this is what we do. We plan, and there's detail to that. But there has to be room. We have to give God permission to take us outside of that schedule if he wants to. 
Amen? Amen. So, we have to be sensitive to, to the call of the Holy Spirit because sometimes it's unknown, sometimes it's unexplained, sometimes it's unusual. And then a lesson number two, and I gotta, you know, gotta listen fast because we gotta stay on schedule. I'm running out of time. Lesson number two. Lesson one is be sensitive to the call of the Holy Spirit. Lesson two is be persistent for the cause of Holy Spirit. Look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. You notice what Philip didn't do? He didn't say, wow, this is some chariot. <laughs> boy, those are some fine-looking horses. Look at your charioteer. He's, boy, he's buff. Ought to make a statue out of him. None of that. Philip didn't go in there and say, hey, what you got in the wet bar? None of that. He got up in the chariot and started talking about Jesus. He was persistent to the cause. The mark, listen to this. This is Brother Fred. The mark that a man is filled with the Spirit is that he's always talking about Jesus Christ. The mark that a church is filled with the Holy Spirit is it sings about Jesus. It preaches about Jesus. It testifies about Jesus. It loves Jesus. What would happen if every individual who is a follower of Christ at First Baptist Church got serious about being persistent about Jesus? What would happen to our church? What happened to this community? What if we got serious about living in Christian community with one another? What if we got serious about sitting with one another in the mud when we hurt and jumping for joy when we celebrate what Jesus did in our lives? What if we got serious about that? What if we got serious about when someone offends us we go talk to them about it and not everybody else. What if we got serious about that? What if we got serious about living what the Bible says, what Jesus teaches us? What if we got persistent about that? What if the, the, our story, our gospel story, seasoned every conversation we ever have? What if we got serious about that? We changed this county for Christ. If just this church, if just this people in this service would do that, that's what would happen. And these chairs would be filled. We'd come in here and have a pep rally for Christ before we go back out there to tell the world about Him. That's what would happen. And that's what we're talking about. The point of the spear. That's what we're talking about on the shaft of the spear. And what binds those together is moving from theory to action. And it takes persistence. What would happen? We would abide with Christ. He would be our very essence for living. 
people would start asking you, what makes you tick? It's, and your answer would be, quick, Jesus. I live for Jesus. Your life would ooze the word of God because you spend time in it every day. Your prayers would reflect that. Your prayers would no longer be gimme, 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 fix, fix, fix. Get them, get them, get them. But your prayers would be whatever you want, Lord. Our fellowship, our fellowship in this church would look like our relationship with Jesus. We would invite accountability into our lives and be that for others. We would help one another when we hurt and we celebrate with one another what Jesus has done in our lives. That's what our church would look like and that will be appealing to a lost world and they'll want to be a part of it because it's different. And we'll go into our world. What would it look like if we're persistent with the cause of Christ? We'll go into our world and we'll bear the fruit of the Spirit. We won't be just pointing our finger telling the lost world, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. But we'll be going into the world bearing love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, thoughtfulness, and self-control. That's what it would look like. And that will change our world. So be persistent to the cause. Philip was. He was persistent to the cause. He was sensitive to the call. He was persistent to the cause. And number last, he responded immediately to the commands of Holy Spirit. Look at verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And he did. I, he went. Look, Philip didn't hesitate. The opportunity wasn't missed. And a life was changed. And God was glorified. Philip decided that his answer for God was going to be yes no matter what. God, is that your voice? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. What do you need me to do? Where do you want me to go? The answer is yes. Unfortunately, and too often, that's not the cause with Christians, or not the case with Christians and the church. Our answer is, really? Let me pray on that. I need some time. Let me go get some things in order. I, can we do that next week? I'm on vacation this week. Too often that's what it looks like and sounds like. We need, as a church, to move from theory to action. We need, as believers, to move from theory to action. Our answer to God in everything 
needs to be yes and no matter what whatever you're asking God my answer is yes now that's scary and I don't know and you know I know detail people especially detail people are like oh you're causing me such anxiety I get it And we have to have that heart for Christ. That sensitivity to the gospel. Now look, today, if you're here and the jury's still out for you about whether or not you want to be a follower of Christ, I'm asking you the same thing. Will you say yes to the one who is incapable of doing anything that isn't perfect and in your absolute best interest. Are you, are you, would you trust that entity with your life? What does that look like? It looks like this. You have to come to a place where you admit that you can't save yourself. You can't fix what needs to be fixed. And if you continue to strive at that, it's just going to get worse and make you crazy. So you admit that you are where you are you've done what you've done and like the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that's you that's all of us so you admit that and it's that sin that separates us from God separates us from where God always intended us to be with him the wages of sin is death and so what we get instead is death but then the next step is to believe you admit then you believe you believe that Jesus is the answer the Bible says yes the wages of sin is death but the gift of God the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life for God came to the world not to condemn the world but to save the world if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord then he will save you believe that that you believe that Jesus is that answer that he's the antidote. So you admit that that where you are, you admit who you believe who Jesus is, and then you trust him. You trust him. You just say, I okay, I trust you, God. Here's my life. Don't don't try to clean it up. Don't try to fix it. Here is my life such that it is, it is yours. Please take me. Please take my life and make it what you want it to be. My answer is yes.
you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, that's what I'm inviting you to. If you're here today and you want to be a part of a church that is striving, that is learning how to be a church whose answer is yes, come join First Baptist. We'd love to have you. Just come forward. We'll fill out a card and I'll tell you what's next. If, you're, if you want to follow Christ, if you want to say yes, let's have, I'm going to I want to pray with you right now. And when you, after you pray, just come tell me. We're going to sing a song, and you just come tell me. And I'll tell you what happens next. All right? I'll be standing right down here. But here's the prayer. If you want to say yes to Christ, let's do this together. God, I know that I have sinned, done things that your word, you've, you've said through your word, separate me from you. I believe that you are the answer, that Jesus is who he said he is. And that it's through Jesus I can be in right relationship with you again. I trust you with my life. I I don't know all that that means, but I trust you to show me that. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.